Well, hello, ev- uh, hello everyone. <laughs> hey. <laughs> if you just walked in, I'm Cam. Um, I'm, I'm one of the elders here. Um, and look, it's, it's great to be back up here. I haven't been up here for a while. Um, and it's particularly good to be here at the, at the end of this um, fantastic series we've been looking at um, with the story of the Bible. Um, and if you're new today, and this is kind of your first time here, welcome. Uh, but if you're kind of wondering uh, why we're doing this series, The Word of God, um, we're doing it because we need to understand our place and our significance uh, in the story of the Bible if we're going to have any sense of direction and, and purpose as a church. If we don't understand how the Bible story kind of fits together, or we won't understand what God has tasked us with. After two months, we're, we're getting to our moment now um, in history as God's people. Uh, we've been all throughout the Old Testament so far. Last week, we looked at Jesus' death and resurrection, and now we are post that, looking at Pentecost and what the mission we're on together. Um, so I'm going to pray for us as we get into this. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you that he has risen from the dead. Thank you that he is our Lord. Thank you that he has sent us on a mission, a joyful one, uh, to tell others of the good news. Thank you that we have this church, that we have this family. And we just pray for us now that whatever's going on in our lives, uh, whether our, our work lives, our family lives uh, are chaotic and busy, we feel like we are just going from thing to thing and, and, and don't have a sense of rest, may you just calm us now. May you help us engage with your word, help settle our minds, and have clarity over what you've called us into, to give us that sense of purpose of what you have called us into as the family of God. So help us now hear from you. Amen. Well, today we are, we are looking at the church sent on the mission of God, powered by the Spirit of God, as the family of God. And, and we need clarity on what has, God has done and what he has called us to if we're going to move forward together. If we're on differing levels... Or if we have a different understanding, then uh, we're going to muddy the story a fair bit. Uh, Recently, I found myself in possibly the most uh, confusing and unclear situation in my life. I I visited my brother in China. Uh, We went to Beijing and then to Shanghai. And uh, when we were there in Shanghai, he told me that he had had booked an event one night, but he wasn't going to tell me what it was. And so I was like, all right, cool. Uh, and, uh, and he was giving me hints of things, and I was like guessing, is it an escape room? Because he kind of like hinted a bit about that. And then I was like, oh, are we getting a massage? And, you know, because he was talking about that. And it's like, are we going to Disneyland? You know, because Disneyland was around. But we rock up to this building called the McKinnon Hotel. Um, and I was like, all right, all right, all right. Uh, maybe, maybe like an arcade. This is, this is still good. This is still good. Um, and when we entered, we had kind of to give our phones into like the office. I was like, okay. Uh, and then we had to. We entered this dark tunnel. It was like, this eerie music going on, and I was like, ah, he's taking us to like some dumb horror thing, and like people are going to start jumping out, and it's going to suck, and I'm going to be on edge. And um, we line up, and we're kind of waiting to go in, and. Um, we're in China, and so everything's in Mandarin, and uh, I have absolutely, I have no clue what is going on, and I'm kind of on edge because I'm still not sure what we're doing, um, 
And, uh, but this guy, he was kind of talking, and he's, he's getting real serious. Um, and then we had to do this. We had to put on these masks. Yeah. And I'm like, Doug, what the heck, man? <laughs> and, um, and I thought, and I was like, he's gone and done it. He's going to join some, like, Chinese cult, and, and I'm about to be the sacrifice. <laughs> uh, but what we entered into next was in, like, it was truly confusing. Uh, what, what it was was, like, it was five levels, this, this McKinnon Hotel, and each level had, like, a different um, uh, setting. So one level was, like, a hospital. Another one was, like, a, a, a bar kind of club area. Another was, like, a graveyard um, and, and there were performers there um, without those weird masks, uh, and they were walking around. Um, they weren't speaking. They were just interacting. And so I'm like, okay, I'm gathering. Okay, this is some kind of like interactive performance thing. Um, but I didn't have like any instruction. Like there was no linear nature to this thing at all. Um, I had no idea what was going on. You just decided if this is kind of what it's like. You just decided if you would, yeah, how creepy is that? I'm really cultish. I mean, you kind of decided if you would like follow one of the performers, if one was kind of going that way, or if another was going that way, you'd be like, okay, um, who am I going to choose? Um, uh, at one point, I just, I walked off and I entered this room and there was like this strobe light going on and there was this guy in a goat's mask and he was raising a baby in the air and I was like, this is definitely a cold, like, this is weird. And this went on for three hours. Like, I was in this thing. And I had, I had no idea what was going on. I, like, I couldn't piece any of the story together. Um, turns out it was interactive theater of Shakespeare's Macbeth. Yeah. You know, Shakespeare isn't the easiest of times to follow along as normal. Um, but what made this like, even worse was that every level like, had a different Macbeth. Uh, and they're like, so there were multiple of them, and they were like, there was no dialogue. And I was like, what, what am I meant to do with this thing? It was a nightmare. Um, but isn't it the case that if we have, if we have no clue um, where we're at in a story, we kind of just we get annoyed and we get purposeless. Um, the set in this, in this uh, interactive theater was like super detailed, and I was just like, I was there for three hours, so I just like walked around, I was like opening drawers and like looking at little letters and things. Uh, I was just kind of meandering around. Um, and a problem we can have in church is that if we do the same, that we, we forget where we are in the story, now that we forget our purpose and we forget the instruction that we've given in the Bible, and we kind of achieve nothing. That we just kind of meander around. We've been looking at the great story of God, so we'd understand deeply how we fit into it. And this is a story of, of God's delight and deep love for his creation. And yet it's a story of how that creation turned its back on him. The story showed a God, as we kind of go through, continually keeping his promises, and continuously showing love to this rebellious people. Uh, one of the promises God makes along the way is that one would come as king over all. Uh, and last week, Jez uh, kind of brought that, that pinnacle moment of the story. Jesus arriving as the Messiah, the anointed one, the king, uh, and he died by the hands of his creation. He was raised from the dead, 
as God said it would be. And he did this to bring us back into relationship with him. That turning God's just judgment that he had for us all unto Jesus. Now this is the story of God forgiving this creation by his own blood. And that he shows that to trust in him is the way, the truth, and life. And that's where we're at in the story so far. But as we see, God, is, God isn't done. The story hasn't ended. Jesus is continuing his mission now, today, some 2,000 years later. And we live in the best part of, of God's story. We live now as the people of God, the church, God's plan A. And often we get confused uh, with what that means because we often associate church with a, a building. But City Light Church isn't a building. It's the people. It's you. It's a gathering of believers. And who we are is a church sent on the mission of God, powered by the Spirit of God, as the family of God. This is church. This is where you fit in. This is where we fit in. Part of a, of a family called to God, sent on a mission. But let's, let's look at this mission first uh, at more depth. Uh, Jesus, uh, after his resurrection, he's with the disciples for about 40 days. Uh, not a huge amount is given on kind of what he did during that time, but we're told he, he was teaching them, essentially. Um, and after about 40 days, he speaks to his disciples one last time. He says this in Acts 1. It'll come on screen. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And so when they came together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. Now the first thing uh, to note here is that Jesus says, in a couple of days, you will be baptized by the Holy Spirit. This is a significant moment in the story of the Bible. Whenever God's Spirit was, uh, was poured out on someone in the Old Testament, it was in, pro- in preparation for the proclamation of God's Word to the people. And so this is a big moment yet again. And yet his disciples get sidetracked. They ask him, when will Israel be restored? And remember, these are, these are Jewish men uh, eager for the restoration of their kingdom. Jesus tells them, just like, chill. It's not what you need to know now. What you need to know is that the Holy Spirit will come, baptizing you, and help you with your mission to go out from here to the ends of the earth, to tell everyone about me and that I love them. It's a powerful moment. They are to be witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, 
and Samaria, to the neighboring regions, and then to the ends of the earth. They need to preach the good news to the nations that Jesus suffered and that the people ought to repent, like turning 180 degrees and turning from living without God to living with him, asking for forgiveness. And then what does he do? Well, verse 9, he just levitates on out of there. And he said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. He just went into the sky. Just do 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 do. I just this is one of my favorite moments in the Bible. Um, so the disciples are just there, just like staring at the sky, just dwelling on this final message to the end of the earth. I'm thinking, surely he doesn't mean like to the ends of the earth, right? I mean, did he really mean that? Us disciples. And I wonder if you read this and you're left wondering, well, did he mean that for me also? Or was it just for those guys? Well, the writer of, of Acts, uh, Luke, has most likely, most likely kept this in this account and also in a similar account in, Luke's 20, in Luke 24 because it's a key component and still relevant to those he was writing to some 40 years after this. It's still relevant to some 400 years after, some some 2,000 years after, it is still relevant. And it's no surprise that the disciples were perplexed. I mean, this going to the ends of the earth, it was a very different approach from how God God normally did things in Israel. It's a very different approach. It's kind of like this. Um, I've been watching uh, the second season of Making a Murderer um, at the moment. I'm, I'm three episodes in. Um, and if you haven't seen it, if you kind of don't know what it's about, it follows uh, the conviction of Stephen Avery and Brendan Dassey um, for what seems to be a false accusation of murder. Um, and the two seasons showcase uh, different approaches to the case. So the first season shows these guys, uh, the lawyers, um, Dean Strang and Jerry Budding, uh, and they come together around the evidence, uh, going through all the details, kind of drawn in together. Yet in the second season, it differs. There's this new lawyer who is Kathleen Zellner. There she is. And she is awesome. You do not want to mess with this woman. She is, she is, yeah, she's good. Um, and, And she goes out. She goes out and she recreates everything. She, instead of just kind of looking just at the evidence and reading through it all, she goes out. She tests the blood splatter in kind of car, recreating the scene. She visits different experts. She goes out to more experts than the previous lawyers just kind of looking internally at the evidence. And it's kind of a similar concept in how God has made his name great. So in the Old Testament, Israel was a holy nation that people came to. God's mission was centripetal, so meaning it's, it's gathering in, like the lawyers in, in the first season, or kind of like um, a, a drain pipe, uh, like, a, like a, the pipe at the end of the bath. Um, people came in, and they were meant to see how Israel lived differently to the others around, and that God's name would be glorified, that they would come toward, to the temple, and that the false gods around would be proven to be false gods because of how these people lived. But now in the New Testament, God's mission is centrifugal, meaning God's people are sent out, like the second lawyer, or like swinging a, a shot put around and letting it go. 
The mission Jesus has sent his people now is to go. And that's precisely what they did. And today the gospel has reached places these early disciples didn't even know existed. They, they had no idea about Australia. And yet the gospel, starting in the Middle East, has, has made its way down to the land down under. And it continues here as the gospel spreads throughout Australia. But if there's anything like stupidly clear as we've looked through in the story of the, of the Bible so far, is that with such a big task, we're most likely going to stuff it up on our own. Nearly every story in the Old Testament is one where God's people fail. Now, if we've taken anything away from the story so far, it's that uh, I hope it's that we, we too, like Israel, are unable to follow God. We're unable to follow Jesus, let alone this good news to the nations by ourselves. So the question remains, how will we we accomplish this mammoth task? You know, I think, gosh, like this is a big deal. And I'm sure you feel it too. Surely the disciples were wondering the same thing. How are we going to do this? So let's fast forward 10 days uh, from Jesus leaving the disciples. Uh, and the disciples now are, are gathered. It's Pentecost. And what we see again is the church sent on a mission by God, empowered by the Spirit of God as the family of God. Uh, now, in, uh, now Pentecost in the New Testament uh, is the name for the Feast of Weeks. Um, when the, heast, the, the wheat harvest was celebrated by a festival where the Jews were making special sacrifices in connection with the Passover, uh, Pente meaning five days after that. Um, so it, what do you need to know? It's a, it's a big time for Jewish culture. And we read this in Acts 2. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on, on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together. And they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, And all, all these who were speaking Galileans. How is it we hear each one of us in, in his own native language? Parthians, Amides, and Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongue the mighty works of God. Here, God's Spirit is declaring a new age and empowering the believers. This is a significant moment in the story of God. If we were to kind of jump back to Genesis at the start, God scattered people around the world from the Tower of Babel. He confused their languages and and scattered them because of their rejection and rebellion of God. But here... God's signifying he's reversing it. What we see is when 
God judges, he, he scatters. But when God blesses, he, he gathers. When, when the Spirit comes, the immediate outcome right here is that the multitude, all from different nations around, can start hearing them speak to each other. Uh, and this kind of, the, the talking, the language of tongues, um, it, it isn't quite as it's described in Corinthians, more like an angelic uh, language. Uh, in this account, this is believers miraculously understanding and actually speaking languages they couldn't before. And what's the purpose of that? Well, it's there in verse 11. It'll come up again. We hear them telling in our own te- tongues the mighty works of God. This Babel reversal is so that the mighty works of God would go and, and the, the cross-cultural barriers, the cross-language barriers, it would be taken to cities, it would be crossed lakes and rivers, up and down mountains, that it would go through forest and across deserts. The Spirit of God here is, is symbolizing that He will be the power for driving the spreading of the gospel. And Jesus' disciples, they are filled with the Spirit to do the works of God from this point onwards. We see this more in Acts 4. It will come up. And when they had prayed, uh, the place in which they were gathered was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Again in Acts 13, 4, it says, So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. The Spirit does the work of sending out. The great news also is the Spirit does the act of, of changing people. The Spirit did the act of changing us. You know, we can be the most eloquent, the, 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 most, the smartest de- debater in the world. We could have the, the best arguments for the case for God. But without the work of the Spirit, people's hearts won't change. This is called regeneration. We see this again in, in Titus 3, verse 4 to 6. Uh, but, when the, it would come up there, uh, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. The Spirit empowers a believer to go out but is also the one who does the inward renewal, the heart change, the work of salvation. And when it comes down to it, we, we can boast in nothing of our own works. But we can boast in God's Spirit. So if we take a moment to reflect on this, we can say, that's pretty, pretty great, I think. Um, so it's, just, it's me and, and the Spirit and kind of sent on this mission Is that just it? Or is there something else? Well, God in His goodness, being a relational God, knows that we need others to kind of run alongside and spur each other on. Now look, if you're into running, um, you know that there is a difference between running by yourself and running with another person or people. Um, Jez and I, we've been uh, running uh, the bay recently, we're trying to get under 30 minutes. 
We're failing, uh, but we're training for Tough Mudder in a few weeks, which is cool. And it's interesting. We were uh, running the other week, and um, I was thinking as we're running around, we're going hard, and I'm like, oh, I'm struggling with this. And I'm like, I'm surely keeping holding Jez back because he's just going to kind of go off. Um, and look, there was a point right at the end where Jez did go off um, and smash it. But um, we talked at the end, and as we were kind of talking about it, it turned out that kind of at the start and through that kind of initial part of going around the bay run, that we were spurring each other on. Uh, there were points where, where Jez was kind of leading the pace. There were points where, where I was leading the pace, and we were kind of pulling each other along as we ran around the bay. We were edging each other on. And it's the same thing with church. God has given us brothers and sisters in Christ to joyfully spur one another on and to run alongside as the family of God on this mission of God, empowered by the Spirit as the family of God. And look, and we see this family element first in Acts 2. So let's have a look at it. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and, all, and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day, those who were being saved. This, this is the beginning of the church. This is the beginning of, of where we find ourselves in now as the family of God. And this first church family had a few characteristics uh, we can see. They were devoted to learning more about how to follow Jesus. They were devoted to fellowship. They had awe they had all things in common. They were spending time with each other, a lot of time. They were being hospitable. They were praising God together, and they had favor with all people. They together were reaching people, doing the mission of God. They were a family of love driven by a mission. The life of the early church made the audible gospel visible. What they, what they preached could be seen in how they loved each other. The church family is meant to display the gospel of the invisible God through love. And how they did this and how church families like us uh, can do this can be put into, into three categories. Uh, and this can be broken down into this. A church family worships. A church family nurtures. And a church family missions. Kind of put it that way. Uh, so let's go through them quickly. When we, at the church family worships, when we uh, gather together here on Sundays and in, in small groups, we, we worship God through various ways. We worship God through song and praising his name, listening to his works, worshiping him and reflecting on how great he is. And yes, worship isn't just contained to that. Uh, as we see in, in Romans 12, it says otherwise. But the, the uniqueness of singing praises to God is to both 
vertically praise His name and worship Him as He rightly deserves, and also to horizontally spread, proclaim His name to each other and to the world. But when we fail to do this, it, it has implications. At my old church, uh, there was a choir master, and uh, he told me this story one time um, about when he invited a friend to church. Uh, and this choir master, he loved singing. He was a passionate believer. I mean, he's a choir master, so you've got to hope that. Um, and he was excited to see how his friend found the service right at the end. And when he approached him, uh, he kind of walked on. He's like, oh, how'd you find everything? And the guy's chatting, and he said, um, I can see how Jesus is, is good news. But everyone here doesn't seem to believe it when you sing. This story stayed in my mind and it continues to challenge me. How can we begin to joyfully take the gospel to the nations, to people in our workplaces, to our family and friends, if we, if we can't joyfully sing of it? So church family is meant to gather to declare our God is worthy of all praise. And we believe this to be true. And there will be seasons in our life where this is more challenging for us. Like right now, the Edwards, we're in a super challenging season over in Italy. But that's why the church is also about ministry to the believers. So a church family also nurtures those who join the family of God. And look, the, the early church did this by, by teaching people what Jesus said and how to be a disciple. We also read uh, how this happened in another way, way of, of love in Acts 2. It'll come up on the screen again. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the needs to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. They were a family that said, if you're in need, we got you. Don't worry. You're a son of God. If you need help, you are my brother and sister in Christ. I will show you the hospitality of God. And the, the nurtured discipleship aspect is, is, is a lot of the New Testament writings. Uh, the majority of the books are, are letters written to churches with specific nurturing discipleship needs. Um, there's this nurturing understanding of the gospel so you can live it out. But also the nurturing of needs of us here. And the, when you read these letters in the New Testament, you get a, a fuller understanding of of, uh, and it's, it's almost overwhelming description of the church. Um, I've got a table to show you um, how the d- church is described in, in a series of metaphors. You've got the family, uh, church's family, the bride of Christ. You've got the body of Christ, a new temple, a new, uh, a new group of priests, the pillar and buckwork of truth, branches on a vine, branches on an olive tree, a field of crops, a building, God's house. And each one of these descriptions... It gives us more richness of what it means to be incorporated into the church. So a church as family should increase our love for each other, our fellowship with one another. 
the church as, as, as the bride of Christ, is, it should stimulate us to strive for, for purity and holiness, a, a greater love and submission to Christ. The images of branches should cause us to, to rest more fully in Jesus, knowing that we are secure in Him. The idea of agricultural crops should encourage us to, to grow, uh, to encourage each one another to grow in the Christian life and get the spiritual nutrients we need to, to grow. All of these descriptions and the knowledge of them show what it means to be nurtured in the church. And yet, underlying both ministry to, to worship God as a family and to nurture believers as a family is the spreading of the good news. So finally, a, a church family missions, to put it that way. Uh, Emil Brunner, uh, a Swiss theologian, helpfully guides us in this thinking. He says, The church exists by mission, just as the fire exists by burning. Where there is no mission, there is no church. And where there is neither church nor mission, there is no faith. It's the mission that creates the family. Our, our formation as a church is around the mission to take the gospel to the nations. It's our DNA here at City Light. It's when we live out our lives as Jesus calls us to by, by going and telling everybody about what he's done. And it looks like this. It looks like Blair in his office at work. Uh, it looks like Katie meeting up with mums. It, it looks like um, Mitch eating lunch with old schoolmates. It, it, it looks like uh, Joel having people, and Daryl having people, of, you guys are together, having people over dinner. <laughs> Um, it's it's us looking for acts of of justice and mercy in the community, all with the desire that an opportunity would arise to speak the gospel of Jesus with them. Look, the, the sad reality of this building that we have been so blessed with uh, is that um, for whatever God's reason, for whatever His purposes, the church here before us. It shrank and it shrank and it shrank. I don't know why they weren't growing, um, but it could be said that they weren't reaching people. Perhaps not for a lack of trying. I don't know. But it is the case that if a church that isn't engaged in, in mission, wherever it is, it will eventually dwindle like a bonfire to ashes that will eventually stop burning. The church is meant to make the gospel visible, yes. But it's also to speak the gospel. And, and you can't separate the two. Uh, you can't have a church that is this really great, loving community and not engaged on its mission to take the gospel to the nations. And, and you can't have a church that is all about mission and going out if it fails to demonstrate or show any sort of love. The two are, are in, inseparable. So let's kick into gear. And look, we have an opportunity uh, today that we as a church family um, want to get around to display the love of Jesus uh, to the nations. And Gav's going to speak a little bit about that. Uh, we've got a letter up the back, and, and she's going to explain more of, of us as a church supporting the Kids Off Room campaign. Uh, the other elders, uh, we chatted and we agreed that this is something we want to get and back behind. And so Gav's going to mention more about that in a moment.
um, we also have an opportunity, a great opportunity in, in the coming weeks to spread the gospel through the Introducing Jesus series. Uh, this is one that we urge you to, to, to go out and, and tell everyone. Um, if you've had, like me, over the past few months, a kind of a down season of, of sharing Jesus, uh, we urge you to kick in the gear. I'm going to try and kick in the gear. I'm going to try and invite my friends and family to get along to this and hear the gospel. I said we're encouraging us to spark conversations this week, uh, wherever we are during the week, and invite people to, to hear the gospel. And I want to say, if you're here and, and you don't know where you stand with Jesus... Can I urge you to come back to this? Come back for these five weeks. There are five weeks here. And ask the hard questions of Jesus. There's a lot to take in. So how about I pray for us right now? Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he is our Lord and our Savior. That in him we have security. That in him we have life to the fullest that in him we have life with you for eternity. Thank you that you sent him. Thank you that you sent him to restore the relationship that we had broken with you. And Father, we pray just to, just to honor and glorify your name, how great your works are through Jesus. Stir in us a heart of, of compassion and love and desire to, to share this good news with everyone. Lord, you know where we're at. You know the season that we're in. You know if we're in a, in a down period, if we're unhappy, if we're going through mental health issues. Father, you know that. And we pray that you would be helping us we pray that whatever is, is, is holding us back from sharing the good news of Jesus that you would put to an end. Father, may there be nothing to hold us back from going out to work, to our families, to our friends, to the community, wherever, Father, to go with boldness and to speak and declare that Jesus is Lord and that he loves this world and he wants people to turn back to him. Father, give us joy in this, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen.